Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bo, and it is time for another Tolkien TV talk. We're doing episode three of Lord of the Rings. And yeah, this continues the really good momentum that I think we've seen from the first two episodes. And I'm really excited for getting some of the stories that I was a little uneasy about. Some of the more, I don't know, as, as the information kind of comes around them, I'm starting to see them all come together in ways that I'm very excited and very hopeful. And the speculation uh, is just, it's, it's delicious, which is not something you normally get from a prequel series. So let me start off by talking about the one that I was the most nervous about, which was kind of like the elf and the lady and the kid and that whole situation. I'm like, what? And then there's this weapon. I'm like, what is this? I mean, it seems like a kind of a forced weapon. And now as we kind of get some of the other pieces coming together with the story, you can now see rather than just their story being kind of this little side thing, like no, other people's stories actually play into what's going on here because we're getting not only just the observation of uh, the kind of these, you know, vampiric orcs that are kind of crawling underneath the ground and searching the lands for something which we assume is this weapon but it's not just any weapon at least i'm starting to think it's not just any weapon i'm starting to think that that is the same type of weapon that we will later see wielded by the nazgul you know the ring wraiths i, I couldn't i blanked on nazgul last week and i was like I, the, the, the guys with the black robes and they fly around and then they're on horses before that and such so no i think that that's exactly what we're seeing because the blade and there's a name for it. I don't remember the blade name for it, but I remember because it stabs Frodo and it's like, oh man, you know, if this had continued on, you would be one of those dudes. I think what's going on is that Sauron's forces are looking for this thing because they want to create the, they want to be prepared essentially to create uh, these, these ring wraiths, right? We know that eventually these rings are going to get crafted. They're going to go to uh, these human kings 
And then those human kings are going to be corrupted and eventually turned into ring wraiths. And so I think that that sword in and of itself will either become Sauron's sword that he'll end up using on these guys, or, you know, it'll be something that is kind of gifted to uh, perhaps the king of kings, the, or that is to say the, the leader of the ring wraiths, the witch king. And I think kind of tying that back into this other story, I think this dude, you remember the dude, the only one that didn't look like an extra that ended up living on the boat that's rolling around with Gladriel. And I was like, maybe he's actually secretly Sauron and he's kind of like messing with their head. No, I think that's the witch King. I think that this dude, now that we get kind of the revelation, okay, he's a hidden King and everything else. And he's kind of, you know, all over the place. We know that the, the rings actually go to human Kings. So we know that one way or the other being a King at this time, and still alive throughout this series means that you are going to get a ring and you are going to become one of the uh, ring wraiths. So given the fact that there's so much attention on this one dude, it really makes me think, okay, this is not just any old human king. I think this is going to be the witch king. I think this is going to be the head of the Nazgul. And it makes sense. And it's, it's, it's interesting because now you do see those parts really kind of playing into each other, not just kind of like the war from a different angle, but specifically how they, it ties to the larger story. A series like this, there's so many different characters and there's so many different stories we're following. We didn't really get a chance to follow the actual creation of the Rings story this time around, which is perfectly fine. But we did focus a lot more on kind of fleshing out the kind of interpersonal relationship between elves and humans and even humans and humans and kind of these separate kingdoms outside of Middle Earth and what you really see as the precursor to what will eventually be Gondor. And as you start thinking about uh, kind of what's actually going on, I, I was thinking about the map, right? the whole Sutherlands and everything else that's going to eventually become Gondor. Well, Gondor was stationed like right across the way from Mount Doom and Mordor. And like, they were like right on each other's edges. And so you can almost see as these uh, kind of vampiric orcs and, and other evil machinations are trying to clear out the land. They're trying to establish a stronghold in middle earth. And eventually my guess is we will see the forces of, you know, these kind of uh, human, kind of a separationist kingdom kind of coming back into the into play to stand against them and essentially forming what will become the kingdom of Gondor. Now, I could be wrong. Again, I've mentioned this before. I am not a huge Tolkien scholar and I'm going mostly off of speculation and just kind of picking a little bit from what I know here and there. And my lack of depth of knowledge for the Tolkien lore is probably very evident to those of you that are actually more super fans. For example, I've been speculating this entire time that the wizard dude that fell from the, the sky and that the, you know, half foots or half foots have been uh, kind of keeping around. But my mindset is, okay, well, this is clearly Gandalf because this is clearly Gandalf. But as Bell, uh, my co-host for the, the primary show, has, has uh, corrected me on that Gandalf shouldn't actually be here right now if they're following with the timeline that was laid out by Tolkien himself. And so the idea is that, that there were, there were, these wizards that fall first and they do their things in one age. And then in the next age, that's when Gandalf would come with the rest of them. And so from what I understand, it's too early in the timeline for Gandalf to appear. That being said, I'm still kind of sticking with it because I feel like they've got a lot of free uh, creative freedom here to really kind of establish the world and, and use kind of take deep inspiration from what was created without this having to be like, so textbook accurate. I mean, we're seeing some of this with, for example, the, uh, the, and again, got to make the comparison house of the dragon, right? Like with what they're doing with house of the dragon, it's not a beat for beat. It's not everything in the timeline is exactly correct, but it is taking inspiration from the source material, but then also weaving it in such a way that it fits in with the cinematic world that they've created with the television show. Same type of thing here, right? Like we're seeing the way in which they're interweaving 
the inspiration for things that Tolkien laid out and then using that to kind of fit into the world of, you know, what we've come as come to know as more of the cinematic experience in Lord of the Rings. So I have no problem with it. I think it's really great. And I love the fact that it does create all of this room for speculation. But all that said, if I end up being very wrong and that's not Gandalf, that's just another wizard dude and somebody that comes beforehand. I just thought I'd go ahead and share that I could be very wrong on that. We're three episodes in though, and I still haven't seen some hobbits with pipes. And I am hoping that somewhere along their journey, they discover pipe weed and we can actually <laughs> kind of see that entering into their culture. Uh, please let's get that season two, if not the season one, because I feel like that that is an imagery, a very kind of iconic imagery around this world that is very much lacking and, and very much missing. I do like that the uh, Harfoots have a very kind of Cajun thing going. I don't know. There's just, I, I, I don't know. I feel it. Uh, I feel like these guys would be very, very comfortable in Louisiana. It makes, it makes me happy. So we do see the elf warrior dude kind of connecting with some other guys that have been captured by these orcs. They try to free themselves uh, to great uh, failure. And in the process, he is now being taken to the leader of their little merry band. And whilst I don't remember the name of the person that's coming up, uh, it does sound like this person that is going to be here is going to be kind of a big bad for this season, possibly this series. Is he supposed to be Sauron? Maybe? I, I don't I don't think so. I think this is, is somebody else. But I could be, again, as with everything, I could be very wrong. Big introduction to this episode with the Sealdor and a Sealdor's dad, both of whom play a massive, massive role in what will probably be the final battle of this entire series. A Sealdor, of course, being the uh, great, 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 great ancestor of Aragorn. Uh, responsible for cutting the ring from the hand of Sauron himself and then totally not destroying him and give, being given up to the, the corruption of the ring and thus, you know, kicking off Lord of the Rings. Really, you know, in some respects, he's a hero because Lord of the Rings is a great series. We wouldn't have it without Isildur kind of botching the job here at the beginning. It's a weird twist on it, but I'm just saying that's that's possibly the case. But it did cause me to think back to kind of that epic battle at the beginning of Fellowship of the Rings and how amazing that trilogy was and what the great idea of like starting with the epic battle at the beginning so that you really get the feel of like this is something that is happening. This is a new era, a new age that, you know, the quote unquote end game of their world already happened, except they just kind of botched the job at the very end, right? Like that's, there's kind of like this, this, um, the way in which you feel like the world is so very big. And we see that carried out in this series as well. Not so much yet with like the big, you know, epic battles, but with big epic grand scale of like the, the kingdoms and, and the, you know, the, the culture and the symbols and the way in which all of these, uh, different places feel as though that you want to be there and you want to be surrounded by it. I'm blanking on the, the human island kingdom places, but you can see in kind of the architecture and architecture and everything else. It's, it's very, it seems very Greek inspired. And, you know, I think about like, especially Greek islands and, you know, you see this throughout the world, but especially with all that kind of white and just kind of the wraparounds up the hills and up the mountains nature of, of these cities that are kind of stacked on top of each other. And again, this is pointing directly to what we will eventually see in Gondor. So Gondor makes sense as potentially a stronghold or initially establishing as a stronghold from these people, from the, the, those that did, you know, stood against, um, Morgoth in the, in the, you know, cosmic early days of all of this yada, yada, yada. 
So looking forward to seeing how Isildur and his fam kind of get uh, roped into everything that's going on. We see a, a relationship between his father and Galadriel, kind of an understanding. They are kind of pro-elf in a uh, city and kingdom that would, by all appearances, be very anti-elf. And looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. But all right, if I'm going to keep this a mini, i got to shut it down now. Really enjoying this series. Let me know what your thoughts are. You can follow us on Twitter at TVTalkFM. You can find all of our contact information and more at TVTalk.FM. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. And until next time, I'll be back in a flash. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.